When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. Not gonna lie, it's been a pretty rough week for the Raiders, but they have been pretty active making roster move after roster move, so we've got plenty to talk about this week, and of course, we have your mailbag questions, so let's do it. Alright, so I'll start with linebacker Divine Diablo, who was placed on injured reserve with a forearm injury. Diablo went down pretty early in the game last week and was ruled out pretty quickly, so I'm assuming this is a serious injury and we know that he'll be out for at least the next four weeks after getting put on IR, but I wouldn't be surprised if this ends his season, especially since the earliest he can come back is week 14 or about mid-December. Blake Martinez had stepped in for Diablo against the Jags, so I would say Martinez is the next man up. However, Martinez announced his retirement on Thursday via a picture on his Instagram account with the following caption. I'm announcing my retirement from the game of football. I had an amazing journey with some incredible franchises and made lifelong friendships. I have chosen to step away from the career at this time to focus on my family and future passions. I'm excited for this new journey and appreciate all the fans and organizations that have supported me throughout the years. So, that likely means a bigger role for undrafted rookie Luke Masterson moving forward, and Masterson did get a handful of snaps in Jacksonville, but has very little regular season experience outside of that. Fellow undrafted rookie linebacker Darian Butler will also see some more snaps, and the Raiders called up linebacker Curtis Bolton from the practice squad. They also added linebacker Reggie Ragland to the practice squad, who is a seven-year vet and a former second-round pick, and has 279 total tackles in his career. Ragland also played for Patrick Graham last season with the New York Giants. Staying on the defensive side of the ball, but shifting our focus to the DBs, Las Vegas waived safety Jonathan Abram on Tuesday. Abram had been struggling to fit in the Graham scheme and was removed from the starting lineup for the last two games. And according to Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review Journal, the former first-round pick hadn't been his normal high-spirited self in the locker room recently and seemed unhappy, so it sounds like this was a split that was best for both parties. Abram also posted his goodbyes on social media, stating, It was always an honor and privilege to suit up in that silver and black. Forever grateful for the opportunity, made a lot of everlasting memories and relationships. Breaks my heart to leave. Felt like I would be a Raider forever. Abram will get to rejoin former Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia as the Packers claimed him off waivers. In corresponding moves, the Raiders elevated safety Isaiah Palomao to the active roster and signed free agent cornerback Sidney Jones. This will be Isaiah Palomao's second stint on the active roster as he made the team after training camp. Jones is of course new to the silver and black and he hails from West Covina, California and went to Washington for college where he's a first team all pack 12 performer on the Huskies team that made the college football playoff back in 2016. The following April, he was a second round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles and has spent time in Jacksonville and Seattle before making his way to Las Vegas. Jones also won a Super Bowl with the Eagles and brings over 28 pass deflections and four interceptions in his career and will likely have a chance to start if he can pick up the playbook quickly. Oh, did you think we were done with the roster moves? Nope. The Raiders also placed tight end Darren Waller and wide receiver Hunter Renfro on injured reserve this Thursday. Waller had been dealing with a hamstring injury that held him out of the team's last two games, and Renfro suffered an oblique injury, which I believe is a new one for him, but he's also been banged up throughout the year. 
like Diablo. This means Waller and Renfro won't suit up on game day until at least week 14, so that should mean more opportunities for Foster Moreau, who's looked good recently, and Jesper Horstead. And the Raiders also signed tight end Jacob Hollister off of the Vikings practice squad. Hollister played for McDaniels in New England and spent training camp with the Raiders, so the addition makes a lot of sense. As for replacing Renfro, I'd imagine DJ Turner is going to get some more snaps, but Keelan Cole has filled in in the slot when Renfro was out earlier in the year. As of Thursday night, the Raiders have not made any additions to the wide receiver room, nor have they called anyone up from the practice squad, but they do have several options for the latter in Chris Lacey, Malik Turner, Albert Wilson, and Isaiah Zuber. After blowing another 17-point lead last week, star wide receiver Devontae Adams was understandably frustrated and was vocal to the media about his frustration with the play-calling-slash-coaching staff, stating, I think that the way we were attacking the Jaguars in the first half was working to a certain extent. Like I said before, we could, have be, we could be better, but it was working, and I felt like we got away from that and started playing the game a little bit different, and that's not the way we've got to do it. Adams is referring to the shifting in Josh McDaniel's play calling, going away from the passing game that was working and helped the Ray offense put up 20 points on the board in the first half to a much more run-heavy attack in the second half that yielded no points and played a role in Vegas' loss. McDaniels responded to Adams' remarks this week saying, I always think there are areas that I could do better in. I've stood up here before and said I've never called a perfect game, and I probably never will. I think there's a lot of things that go into that. I know what Adams meant when he was said that, and I don't think th- take those things personally. The reality is, we have opportunities, and we've got to come through with them. And I have to do a good job of trying to make sure that we continue to present opportunities for our teams, McDaniels continued. It's really a two-way street in that regard, where you've got to keep probing as a coaching staff and as a play caller to find opportunities for your best players to get involved and produce in the game. Then when we have those opportunities, we're going to need to come through. So, this seems like a respectful discourse between player and coach, and we'll see if anything changes on Sunday. I also figured I'd read you guys McDaniel's quotes on why he thinks the teams keep blowing leads. I think it's not just one thing. I think at the end of the day, we've learned that the games can switch quickly, McDaniel said. We've been on the wrong end of that so far, but those things can shift around pretty quickly if you don't do a lot of the right things. The Kansas City game was very similar to the one on Sunday, where we had the lead and then all of a sudden, we kind of lost the momentum of the game. Score at the end of the second quarter, score at the beginning of the third quarter, and then before you know it, the game is entirely a different game, which is not abnormal to the National Football League. It happens. What we need to do in that situation is be able to respond and stem the tide and go regain the momentum for ourselves with doing our job. We have to be able to go out there and play good football, whatever phase we're out there on. Punt team, offense, defense, kickoff return, whatever it is. We got to be able to go out there and execute well together, and that's the only way to do it. It's not going to be look it to one player or call one play or one defense and have it magically stop. This is a result of collective efforts of 11 guys on every play doing the right thing. And if you do it the right way, then you'll be able to stem the tide because you'll be making good plays. And again, like I said, we've done it before, we can do it again. We have to learn how to do it longer and in more difficult situations when we don't have the momentum. Alright, moving on to the injury report, and I've kind of already gone over the crux of it for the Raiders' perspective, with Waller, Renfro, and Diablo going on IR, and Martinez retiring as there are only four other players left, outside of those four, on Thursday's report. Linebacker Denzel Perryman was a DNP on Wednesday with hip and ribs injuries, but was at least limited on Wednesday, and linebacker Darian Butler has been limited all week with a hip injury also. If either of those two can't go, well, we'll see a lot of Masterson, Bolton, and Raglan, and Masterson will probably get a lot of run regardless. 
Wide receiver Keelan Cole has a knee injury that made him limited on Wednesday, but he was a full go on Thursday. And quarterback Derek Carr was listed on the report with the back injury he's been playing through, and Carr was a full participant all week. As for the Colts, it's looking like they'll have running back Jonathan Taylor back in the lineup as he's missed some time with an ankle injury but was an FP on Thursday. However, I don't think we can say the same for star linebacker Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, as he's been on a pitch count all year with a back injury and he didn't practice on Thursday and Indy added an ankle injury to his injury designation. And that'll do it for this week's injury report. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here we go. Mailbag time. As your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, mholder 95 or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First question, who's the starting QB last year? P.S. This franchise makes me sad. Me too, my guy. Me too. So who's going to be the starting quarterback next year? Honestly, I think it's going to be Derek Carr. I know it's going to probably disappoint a lot of people, especially if they're going to be picking in the top five next year. But I do think this coaching staff really does believe in Derek Carr. I think part of the reason why McDaniels took this job as he turned down others' opportunities and didn't even interview other places was partially because of Derek Carr. And part of it, too, I think, I don't think you go out and make the big splash trade and give up everything they did for Derek Carr's best friend and then cut him a year later. You got to also take that into consideration. I don't think Devontae Adams is probably going to be on board with them getting rid of Derek Carr. I think part of the reason why Adams wanted out of Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers was um, unstable, unstable to say the least, and I don't think Adams really wanted to be a part of breaking in Jordan Love or some other rookie quarterback uh, when he's about to turn 30. So yeah, I think the quarterback next year is going to be Derek Carr regardless. Um, again, I think this staff just likes him too much and everything, but I hate to disappoint people. Unless they have a, a legit shot at maybe a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud, maybe they'll go after one of them, which at this rate they will. But, yeah, I think it's going to be Carr for next year, um, for year 10. So we'll see what happens. Number two, Will Anderson or an elite offensive tackle? A lot of draft questions today. I wonder why. Uh, I'm going to go Will Anderson. I really like Will Anderson a lot. He's obviously one hell of a player. I think he's the best player in this draft, but when you take into account position value, I don't know if we'll go number one. Um, I think that'll probably be Stroud or, or uh, Bryce Young. But yeah, I would say Willie Anderson. I think he's going to be a hell of a pro. I really like him a lot. I think he could help solve a lot of the Raiders' pass rush issues and be a good compliment to Max Crosby. Again, assuming they're picking high enough to get him. And this tackle class is a little bit lackluster. There's not a huge or standout OT1. There's a guy who I'm blanking on his name and I butchered anyway from uh from I believe Penn State that's a a really good ass athlete and a really good prospect but he's more of a project at this point so with that I'm going to go with the guy that I'm pretty much more confident in and being a good pro and go with Will Will Anderson and uh unfortunately it's going to be have to be a another um way to address the right tackle situation moving forward but I do think they can get a good one in the second question three Beat writers are remaining positive talk about the Raiders' front office building a consistent winner over the long term, 
but several of the Raiders stars are older, so time isn't on their side. Do we expect to win while Carr, Adams, and Waller are, are, are here, or that were they just to avoid the initial appearance of a rebuild? Well, I don't, like I was talking about before, I don't think there was ever an intention of rebuilding when McDaniels and this new regime took over the job. I think that's part of the reason why they liked it, is it's unlike a, a lot of open positions where you do have to just outwardly rebound rebuild. So I do think they're going to stick with those guys, kind of like what I just talked about. Um, and I think they can build a winner. I think that's a good core. I think that's how you like to build a team normally with a lot of superstars in place and just adding young talent to, to supplement the rest of your roster. So I think they can win. I mean, I was bullish and a lot of people were bullish on the Raiders team this year. And I think with 12 draft picks or whatever they're expected to have at the end of the, at the, when it's all said and done, you know, I think they can get some youth and I think they can inject it. And I mean, again, you know, I think there will be optimism in the off season, even if Carr and Adams and Waller and everyone, and or if they basically keep the same roster around. So yeah, I think we can expect to win. Um, but obviously this season is uh, doesn't exactly build a whole lot of confidence in building into the future. But yeah, I think they can expect to win. I think are hoping that next year uh, with the full offseason, the McDaniels system and everything and all that good stuff, that'll, that'll produce a little bit better results. But obviously they got to figure out how to win before we can uh, start making those proclamations. So our last question here was a paragraph about why Mark Davis should fire the current coaching staff, hire Richard Bisaccia back as interim head coach, and then hire Eric Bieniemy as head coach and bring Bisaccia back as the special teams coach. I love all the thought that was put into this, by the way, and I believe the question that was rooted in there is why not hire Eric Bieniemy? So I just kind of want to go out and say this. I think Bieniemy's had a few opportunities, and I think it's kind of telling that he hasn't been hired yet, and there have been plenty of other coaches that have obviously gotten uh, gotten interviews that he hasn't even gotten and gotten jobs that he hasn't gotten. So I think that's pretty telling. I get the feeling that Eric Bieniemy is probably just not as great of a candidate as we like to make him out to be in the public sphere. Um, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about Bieniemy is, I don't know, this happened this year actually when him and Mahomes got into it on the sideline. LaShawn McCoy, who had spent some time with the uh, the Chiefs, basically kind of bashed the enemy, saying he doesn't really do anything but yell at players and screw up the play calls and something like something along those lines. And I believe there have been a few other former players that haven't been exactly thrilled with the enemy. I know he's gotten into it with some guys a few times, so I don't know how much, um, how well liked he is within the the players. I don't want to speak for, for any of them or anything like that, but it definitely seems like he might be a little bit of a prickly personality to get along with. And the other thing with the enemy is he's got a pretty checkered past. He got into a bunch of trouble now back in his days in Colorado, which is a long time ago. Um, and I think the most, the only recent thing was a DUI back in like the early two thousands. So again, we're talking about 20 years in the past, but I do think that plays a factor. Again, I'm someone who I believe in second chances. I believe in other stuff, but one of the one of the issues that he had in the past at Colorado was putting his hands on a woman, um, which obviously is not a great look, uh, to say the least, and something that even Mark Davis is pretty outwardly against uh, hiring people of that nature. Then again, it kind of depends on what happens because he did hire uh, Tom Cable back. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think with Bienemy, I get the feeling he's not as great of a head coach candidate as we think he is. Um, part of that too is when he was the offensive coordinator back at Colorado, it was pretty bad. Um, he got the job with the Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and he's done really well. 
but he's also had Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Had quite a bit of talent, had a quite a bit of weapons to work with. Be kind of hard to screw up the play calling with that. And Andy Reid also kind of grandfathered him into the play calling too. So yeah, I'm not a huge buyer on Bienemy stock right now. Um, and like I said, I don't even think they're gonna fire. Uh, I don't even think they're gonna fire McDaniel's and the staff. If you listen to what the reports are and what Mark Davis says, it seems like they're pretty bought into what McDaniel's is doing, even though it it's really hurts right now and looks pretty bad right now. So I think it's kind of a mute point at this point. But again, I do appreciate all the thought that goes into it. And uh, um, I think we're going to be stuck with the McDaniels for at least another year. Sorry to break that news to you guys. All right, that'll do it for this week's pod. As your weekly reminder, the Raiders are back to the 1 p.m. PST kickoff this weekend, 105 to be exact, and the game will be on CBS. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95. Make sure to follow Silver and Black Pride. Rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.